0: Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, with translations and purports by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Second Canto, Chapter 3, Texts 19 through 25. Text 19 Men who are like dogs, hogs, camels, and asses, praise those men who never listen to the transcendental pastimes of Lord Sri Krishna, the Deliverer from evils. Purport by Srila Prabhupada The general mass of people, unless they are trained systematically for a higher standard of life and spiritual values, are no better than animals. And in this verse, they have particularly been put on the level of dogs, hogs, camels, and asses. Modern university education practically prepares one to acquire a dogish mentality with which to accept the service of a greater master. After finishing so-called education, the so-called educated persons move like dogs from door to door with applications for some service, and mostly they are driven away, informed of no vacancy. As dogs are negligible animals and serve the master faithfully for bits of bread, a man serves a master faithfully without sufficient rewards. Persons who have no discrimination in the matter of foodstuff and who eat all sorts of rubbish are compared to hogs. Hogs are very much attached to eating stools. So stool is a kind of foodstuff for a particular type of animal. And even stones are edibles for a particular type of animal or bird. But the human being is not meant for eating everything and anything. He is meant to eat grains vegetables, fruits, milk, sugar, etc. Animal food is not meant for the human being. For chewing solid food, the human being has a particular type of teeth meant for cutting fruits and vegetables. The human being is endowed with two canine teeth as a concession for persons who will eat animal food at any cost. It is known to everyone that one man's food is another man's poison. Human beings are expected to accept the remnants of food offered to Lord Śrī Krishna, and the Lord accepts foodstuff from the categories of leaves, fruits, etc. Bhagavad Gītā 9.26 As prescribed by Vedic scriptures, no animal food is offered to the Lord. Therefore, A human being is meant to eat a particular type of food. He should not imitate the animals to derive so-called vitamin values. Therefore, a person who has no discrimination in regard to eating is compared to a hog. The camel is a kind of animal that takes pleasure in eating thorns. A person who wants to enjoy family life or the worldly life of so-called enjoyment as compared to the camel. Materialistic life is full of thorns, and so one should live only by the prescribed method of Vedic regulations, just to make the best use of a bad bargain. Life in the material world is maintained by sucking one's own blood. The central point of attraction for material enjoyment is sex life. To enjoy sex life is to suck one's own blood and there is not much more to be explained in this connection. The camel also sucks its own blood, while chewing thorny twigs. The thorns the camel eats cut the tongue of the camel, and so blood begins to flow within the camel's mouth. The thorns, mixed with the fresh blood, create a taste for the foolish camel, and so he enjoys the thorn-eating business with false pleasure. Similarly, the great business magnates, industrialists, who work very hard to earn money by different ways and questionable means, eat the thorny results of their actions mixed with their own blood. Therefore, the Bhagavatam has situated these diseased fellows along with the camels. The ass is an animal who is celebrated as the greatest fool, even amongst the animals. The ass works very hard and carries burdens of the maximum weight without making profit for itself. The ass is generally engaged by the washerman, whose social position is not very respectable. And the special qualification of the ass is that it is very much accustomed to being kicked by the opposite sex. When the ass begs for sexual intercourse, he is kicked by the fair sex, and yet he still follows the female for such sexual pleasure. A henpecked man is compared, therefore, to the ass. The general mass of people work very hard, especially in the age of Kali. In this age, the human being is actually engaged in the work of an ass, carrying heavy burdens and driving tela and rickshaws. The so-called advancement of human civilization has engaged the human being in the work of an ass. The laborers in great factories and workshops are also engaged in such burdensome work, and after working hard during the day, the poor laborer has to again be kicked by the fair sex, not only for sex enjoyment, but also for so many household affairs. So Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam's categorization of the common man without any spiritual enlightenment into the society of dogs, hogs, camels, and asses is not in all an exaggeration. The leaders of such ignorant masses of people may feel very proud of being adored by such a number of dogs and hogs, but that is not very flattering. The Bhagavatam openly declares that although the person may be a great leader of such dogs and hogs, disguised as men, if he has no taste for being enlightened in the science of Krishna, such a leader is also an animal, and nothing more. He may be designated as a powerful, strong animal, or a big animal, but in the estimation of Srimad Bhagavatam, he has never given a place in the category of man on account of his atheistic temperament. Or in other words, such godless leaders of dogs and hog-like men are bigger animals, with the qualities of animals in greater proportion. Text 20. One who has not listened to the message about the prowess and marvelous acts of the Personality of Godhead and has not sung or chanted loudly the worthy songs about the Lord is to be considered to possess ear holes like the holes of snakes and a tongue like the tongue of a frog. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. Devotional service to the Lord is rendered by all limbs or parts of the body. It is the transcendental dynamic force of the spirit soul. Therefore, a devotee is engaged 100% in the service of the Lord. One can engage in devotional service when the senses of the body are purified in relation with the Lord, and one can render service to the Lord With the help of all the senses. As such, the senses and the action of the senses are to be considered impure or materialistic as long as they are employed only in sense gratification. The purified senses are engaged, not in sense gratification, but in the service of the Lord in toto. The Lord is the Supreme with all senses. And the servitor, who is part and parcel of the Lord, also has the same senses. Service to the Lord is completely purified use of the senses, as described in the Bhagavad Gita. The Lord imparted instructions with full senses, and Arjuna received them with full senses, and thus there was a perfect exchange of sensible and logical understanding between the Master. And the disciple. Spiritual understanding is nothing like an electrical charge from the master to the disciple, as foolishly claimed by some propaganda mongers. Everything is full of sense and logic, and the exchange of views between the master and disciple is possible only when the reception is submissive and real. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that one should receive the teachings of Lord Chaitanya with intellect and full senses so that one can logically understand this great mission. In the impure state of the living being, the various senses are fully engaged in mundane affairs. If the ear is not engaged in the service of the Lord by hearing about him from Bhagavad Gita or Srimad Bhagavatam, certainly the holes of the ear will be filled with some rubbish. Therefore, the messages of Bhagavad-gītā and Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam should be preached all over the world, very loudly. That is the duty of a pure devotee who has actually heard about them from the perfect sources. Many want to speak something to others, but because they are not trained to speak on the subject matter of Vedic wisdom, They're all speaking nonsense, and people are receiving them with no sense. There are hundreds and thousands of sources for distributing mundane news of the world, and people of the world are also receiving it. Similarly, the people of the world should be taught to hear the transcendental topics of the Lord, and the devotee of the Lord must speak loudly so that they can hear. The frogs loudly croak, with the result that they invite the snakes to eat them. The human tongue is especially given for chanting the Vedic hymns, and not for croaking like frogs. The word asati, used in this verse, is also significant. Asati means a woman who has become a prostitute. A prostitute has no reputation for good womanly qualities. Similarly, the tongue, which is given to the human being for chanting Vedic hymns, will be considered a prostitute when engaged in chanting some mundane nonsense. Text 21. The upper portion of the body, though crowned with a silk turban, is only a heavy burden if not bowed down before the personality of Godhead, who can award mukti, freedom. And the hands, though decorated with glittering bangles, are like those of a dead man if not engaged in the service of the personality of Godhead, hari. Purport by As stated herein before, there are three kinds of devotees of the Lord. The first class devotee does not at all see anyone who is not in the service of the Lord. but the second class devotee makes distinctions between devotees and non-devotees. The second class devotees are therefore meant for preaching work, and as referred to in the above verse, they must loudly preach the glories of the Lord. The second-class devotee accepts disciples from the section of third-class devotees, or non-devotees. Sometimes, the first-class devotee also comes down to the category of the second-class devotee for preaching work. But the common man, who is expected to become at least a third-class devotee, is advised herein to visit the temple of the Lord and bow down, before the deity, even though he may be a very rich man or even a king with a silk turban or a crown. The Lord is the Lord of everyone, including the great kings and emperors, and men who are rich in the estimation of mundane people must therefore make it a point to visit the temple of Lord Sri Krishna and regularly bow down before the deity. The Lord in the temple in the worshipable form, is never to be considered to be made of stone or wood, for the Lord in his Archa Incarnation as the deity in the temple shows immense favor to the fallen souls by his auspicious presence. By the hearing process, as mentioned herein before, this realization of the presence of the Lord in the temple is made possible. As such, The first process in the routine work of devotional service, hearing, is the essential point. Hearing by all classes of devotees from the authentic sources, like Bhagavad-gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, is essential. The common man who is puffed up with his material position and does not bow down before the deity of the Lord in the temple, or who defies temple worship without any knowledge of the science, must know that his so-called turban or crown will only succeed in further drowning him in the water of the ocean of material existence. A drowning man with a heavy weight on his head is sure to go down more swiftly than those who have no heavy weight. A foolish, puffed-up man defies the science of God and says that God has no meaning for him. But when he is in the grip of God's law, and is caught by some disease like cerebral thrombrosis, that godless man sinks into the ocean of nescience by the weight of his material acquisition. Advancement of material science without god-consciousness is a heavy load on the head of human society, and so one must take heed of this great warning. Common man if he has no time to worship the Lord, may at least engage his hands for a few seconds in washing or sweeping the Lord's temple. Maharaj Patra the greatly powerful king of Arissa, was always very busy with heavy state responsibilities. Yet, he made it a point to sweep the temple of Lord Jagannath at Puri once a year during the festival of the Lord. The idea is that however important a man one may be, he must accept the supremacy of the Supreme Lord. This God-consciousness will help a man even in his material prosperity. Maharaj Pachaparudra's subordination before Lord Jagannath made him a powerful king, so much so that even the great Patan in his time could not enter into Orissa on account of the powerful Maharaj purudra And at last, Maharaj Pachaparodra was graced by Lord Śrīte on the very grounds of his acceptance of subordination to the Lord of the Universe. So even though a rich man's wife has glittering bangles made of gold on her hands, she must engage herself in rendering service to the Lord. Text 22. The eyes, which do not look at the symbolic representations of the personality of Godhead Vishnu, his forms, name, quality, etc., are like those printed on the plumes of the peacock. And the legs, which do not move to the holy places where the Lord is remembered, are considered to be like tree trunks. Report by Srila Prabhupada. Especially for the householder devotees, the path of deity worship is strongly recommended. As far as possible, every householder, by the direction of the spiritual master, must install the deity of Vishnu. Forms like Radha Krishna, Lakshmi Narayan, or Sita Ram, especially, or any other form of the Lord, like Nishringha, Varaha. Gornitai, Matsya, Korma, Shalagram Shila, and many other forms of Vishnu, like Trivikram, Keshava, Achyuta, Vasudev, Narayan, and Damodar, as recommended in the Vaishnava Tantras or Puranas. And one's family should worship strictly following the directions and regulations of Archana Vidhi. Any member of the family, who is above 12 years of age, should be initiated by a bona fide spiritual master. And all the members of the household should be engaged in the daily service of the Lord, beginning from morning, 4 a.m., till night, 10 p.m., by performing mangal Artik, Naranjana, Archana, Puja, Kirtan, Sringar, Bhogavaikali, Vaikali sandhya-artik, Pata, bhoga at night, sayana-artik, etc. Engagement in such worship of the deity under the direction of a bona fide spiritual master will greatly help the householders to purify their very existence and make rapid progress in spiritual knowledge. Simple theoretical book knowledge is not sufficient for a neophyte devotee. Book knowledge is theoretical, whereas the archana process is practical. Spiritual knowledge must be developed by a combination of theoretical and practical knowledge, and that is the guaranteed way for attainment of spiritual perfection. The training of devotional service for a neophyte devotee completely depends on the expert spiritual master who knows how to lead his disciple to make gradual progress toward the path back home, back to Godhead. One should not become a pseudo-spiritual master as a matter of business to meet one's family expenditures. One must be an expert spiritual master to deliver the disciple from the clutches of impending death. Srila Viswana Thakur has defined the bona fide qualities of a spiritual master. And one of the verses in that description reads: "Sivigrahada danya nityanana, shringara tanman dhiramarginado, yuktasya Baktam's chani unja topi, vande guru sri charnatavindam." Sivigraha is the archa, or suitable, worshipable form of the Lord, and the disciples should be engaged in worshiping the deity regularly by Sringar by proper decoration and dressing, as also by mandir marjana, the matter of cleansing the temple. The spiritual master teaches the neophyte devotee all these kindly and personally, to help him gradually in the realization of the transcendental name, quality, form, etc. of the Lord. Only attention engaged in the service of the Lord especially in dressing and decorating the temple, accompanied by musical kirtan and spiritual instructions from scriptures, can save the common man from the hellish cinema attractions and rubbish sex songs broadcast everywhere by radios. If one is unable to maintain a temple at home, he should go to another's temple where all the above performances are regularly executed. Visiting the temple of a devotee and looking at the profusely decorated forms of the Lord, well-dressed in a well-decorated, sanctified temple, naturally infuses the mundane mind with spiritual inspiration. People should visit holy places, like Vrindavan, where such temples and worship of the deity are specifically maintained. Formally, all rich men, like kings and rich merchants, constructed such temples under the direction of expert devotees of the Lord, like the six Goswamis. And it is the duty of the common man to take advantage of these temples and festivals observed in the holy places of pilgrimage by following in the footsteps of great devotees, Anubraja. One should not visit all these sanctified pilgrimage places and temples with sightseeing in mind. But one must go to such temples and sanctified places immortalized by the transcendental pastimes of the Lord and be guided by proper men who know the science. This is called Anu Braja. Anu means to follow. It is therefore best to follow the instruction of the bona fide spiritual master, even in visiting temples and holy places of pilgrimage. One who does not move in that way is as good as a standing tree condemned by the Lord not to move. The moving tendency of the human being is misused by visiting places for sightseeing. The best purpose of such traveling tendency could be fulfilled by visiting the holy places established by great acharyas and thereby not being misled by the atheistic propaganda of money-making men who have no knowledge of spiritual matters. Text 23 The person who has not, at any time, received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body, and the person who never experienced the aroma of the tulsi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body, although breathing. PURPORT by Śrīla Prabhupāda According to Śrīla Viswanāt Chakravarti Thakur, the breathing dead body is a ghost. When a man dies, he is called dead. But when he again appears in a subtle form, not visible to our present vision, and yet acts, such a dead body is called a ghost. Ghosts are always very bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. Similarly, the ghost-like non-devotees, who have no respect for the pure devotees, nor for the Vishnu deity in the temples, create a fearful situation for the devotees at all times. The Lord never accepts any offerings by such impure ghosts. There is a common saying that one should first love the dog of a beloved before one shows any loving sentiments for the beloved. The stage of pure devotion is attained by sincerely serving a pure devotee of the Lord. The first condition of devotional service to the Lord is, therefore, to be a servant of a pure devotee, and this condition is fulfilled by this statement. Quote, Reception of the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee was also served another pure devotee. Unquote. That is the way of pure disciplic succession, or devotional paramparā. Maharaj Rahugana inquired from the great saint, Judd Bharat, as to how he had attained such a liberated stage of a Paramahamsa. And in answer, the great saint replied as follows Srimad Bhagavatam 5 12 12. Rahuganae tattta pasanayati, nirvapanad grihadva. Nachandasa naiva jalangi Vina Mahatpada pada rajobhishekam O King Mahugana, the perfectional stage of devotional service or the paramahamsa stage of life cannot be attained unless one is blessed by the dust of the feet of great devotees. It is never attained by tapasya, austerity, the Vedic worshipping process. Acceptance of the renounced order of life, the discharge of the duties of household life, the chanting of the Vedic hymns, or the performance of penances in the hot sun, within cold water, or before the blazing fire. In other words, Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees. And as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly. Lord Chaitanya therefore designated himself as Gopi Bartupada Kamalar Das Anudas Anudas, or the most obedient servant of the servants of the Lord who maintains the Gopi damsels at Vrindavan. A pure devotee, therefore, never approaches the Lord directly, but tries to please the servant of the Lord's servants. And thus the Lord becomes pleased, and only then can the devotee relish the taste of the tulsi leaves stuck to his lotus feet. In the Brahma Samhita, it is said that the Lord is never to be found by becoming a great scholar of the Vedic literatures, but he is very easily approachable through his pure devotee. In Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of Srimati Radharani, the pleasure potency of Lord Krishna. Srimati Radharani is the tender hearted feminine counterpart of the Supreme Whole, resembling the perfectional stage of the worldly feminine nature. Therefore, the mercy of Radharani is available very readily to the sincere devotees. And once she recommends such a devotee to Lord Krishna, the Lord at once accepts the devotee's admittance into his association. The conclusion is, therefore, that one should be more serious about seeking the mercy of the devotee than that of the Lord directly. And, by one's doing so, by the goodwill of the devotee, the natural attraction for the service of the Lord will be revived. Text 24 Certainly, that heart is steel-framed, which, in spite of one's chanting the holy name of the Lord with concentration, does not change when ecstasy takes place. Tears fill the eyes, and the hairs stand on end. Report. By Śrīla we should note with profit that in the first three chapters of the second canto, a gradual process of development of devotional service is being presented. In the first chapter, the first step in devotional service for God-consciousness by the process of hearing and chanting has been stressed, and a gross conception of the Personality of Godhead in His universal form for the beginners. recommended. By such a gross conception of God, through the material manifestations of his energy, one is enabled to spiritualize the mind and the senses and gradually concentrate the mind upon Lord Vishnu, the Supreme, who is present as the Supersoul in every heart and everywhere, in every atom of the material universe. The system of Pancha Upasana, recommending five mental attitudes for the common man, is also enacted for this purpose, namely gradual development, worship of the superior that may be in the form of fire, electricity, the sun, the mass of living beings, Lord Shiva, and at last, the impersonal Supersoul, the partial representation of Lord Vishnu. They are all nicely described in the second chapter. But in the third chapter, further development is prescribed after one has actually reached the stage of Vishnu worship, or pure devotional service. And the mature stage of Vishnu worship is suggested herein, in relation to the change of heart. The whole process of spiritual culture is aimed at changing the heart of the living being and the matter of his eternal relation with the Supreme Lord as subordinate servant, which is his eternal constitutional position. So, with the progress of devotional service, the reaction of change in the heart is exhibited by gradual detachment from the sense of material enjoyment by a false sense of lording it over the material world and an increase in the attitude of rendering loving service to the Lord. Vidhi bhakti, or regulated devotional service by the limbs of the body, namely the eyes, ears, nose, hands and legs, as already explained herein before, is now stressed herein in relation to the mind, which is the impetus for all activities of the limbs of the body. It is expected by all means that by discharging regulated devotional service, one must manifest the change of heart. If there is no such change, the heart must be considered steel-framed, for it is not melted even when there is chanting of the holy name of the Lord. We must always remember that hearing and chanting are the basic principles of discharging devotional duties and if they are properly performed, there will follow the reactional ecstasy with signs of tears in the eyes and standing of the hairs on the body. These are natural consequences and are the preliminary symptoms of the bhava stage, which occurs before one reaches the perfectional stage of prema, love of Godhead. If the reaction does not take place, even after continuous hearing and chanting of the holy name of the Lord, it may be considered to be due to offenses only. That is the opinion of the Sandarbhas. In the beginning of the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, if the devotee has not been very careful about evading the ten kinds of offenses at the feet of the holy name, certainly the reaction of feelings of separation will not be visible by tears in the eyes and standing of the hair on end. The bhava stage is manifested by eight transcendental symptoms, namely, inertness, perspiration, standing of hairs on end, failing in the voice, trembling, paleness of the body, tears in the eyes, and finally, trance. The nectar of devotion, a summary study of Srila Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu explains those symptoms and vividly describes other transcendental developments, both in steady and accelerating manifestations. Srila Chakravarti Thakur has very critically discussed all these bhava displays in connection with some unscrupulous neophytes, imitating the above symptoms for cheap appreciation. Not only Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, but also Srila Rupa Goswami treated them very critically. Sometimes all the above eight symptoms of ecstasy are imitated by the mundane devotees, Prakrita Sahajas. But the pseudo symptoms are at once detected when one sees the pseudo devotee addicted to so many forbidden things. Even though decorated with the signs of a devotee, A person addicted to smoking, drinking, or illegitimate sex with women cannot have all the above-mentioned ecstatic symptoms. But it is seen that sometimes these symptoms are willfully imitated. And for this reason, Srila Visrana Chakravarti accuses the imitators of being stone-hearted men. They are sometimes even affected by the reflection of such transcendental symptoms. Yet, if they still do not give up the forbidden habits, then they are hopeless cases for transcendental realization. When Lord Chaitanya met Srila Ramananda Rai at Kuvar on the banks of the Godavari, the Lord developed all these symptoms. But because of the presence of some non devotee Brahmins who are attendants of the Rai, the Lord suppressed these symptoms. So sometimes they are not visible, even in the body of the first-class devotee, for certain circumstantial reasons. Therefore, real, steady bhava is definitely displayed in the matter of cessation from the material desires, shanti, utilization of every moment in the transcendental loving service of the Lord, avyarta Kalatvam. Eagerness for glorifying the Lord constantly, Namagane Sadaruchi. Attraction for living in the land of the Lord, tad Tadvasati Stale. Complete detachment from material happiness, Verakti. And Pridelessness, Mana sonyata. One who has developed all these transcendental qualities. Is really possessed of the bhava stage, as distinguished from the stone-hearted imitator or mundane devotee. The whole process can be summarized as follows. The advanced devotee who chants the holy name of the Lord in a perfectly offenseless manner and is friendly to everyone, can actually relish the transcendental taste of glorifying the Lord and the result of such realization is reflected in the cessation of all material desires, etc., as mentioned above. The neophytes, due to their being in the lower stage of devotional service, are invariably envious, so much so that they invent their own ways and means of devotional regulations without following the acharyas. As such, even if they make a show of constantly chanting the holy name of the Lord, they cannot relish the transcendental taste of the holy name. Therefore, the show of tears in the eyes, trembling, perspiration, unconsciousness, etc., is condemned. They can, however, get in touch with a pure devotee of the Lord and rectify their bad habits. Otherwise, They shall continue to be stone-hearted and unfit for any treatment. A complete progressive march on the return home back to Godhead will depend on the instructions of the revealed scriptures directed by a realized devotee. Text 25. O Sutu Goswami, your words are pleasing to our minds. Please, therefore, explain this to us as it was spoken by the great devotee Sukadev Goswami, who is very expert in transcendental knowledge and who spoke to Maharaj Parikat upon being asked. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. Knowledge, explained by the previous Acharya, like Sukadev Goswami, and followed by the next, like Sutta Goswami, is always powerful, transcendental knowledge, and it is therefore penetrating and useful to all submissive students. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the second canto, third chapter of Śrīmat Bhāgavatam entitled, Pure Devotional Service, The Change in Heart.